What's up? What's up? What is up? It's another Friday, another opportunity for the Ball Hawk Sports Talk to come into your living room, into your podcast device, into wherever you are consuming us. Thank you again for another opportunity. I paused this morning, right before the holiday break. I know everyone's getting ready for their their big weekend to celebrate, hopefully with family and friends, whether it be barbecues or fireworks or or however you plan to celebrate with your family. I, I, I pause because today's show is a big one. It's a it's a big show for me for several reasons. The episode entitled Teachable Moments. Because last week I had a teachable moment. And it's a big show for me because I know that as a former professional athlete who got the opportunity to play major division one football, what we're going to discuss today is a, is a touchy subject in a lot of ways, especially in locker rooms across the world. Last week's episode, you guys know I've been doing this for over two and a half years, and I take a lot of pride in it. I put a lot of work into it. I pull people into it to help me out. But last week's episode, for the first time in two and a half years, an episode is nowhere to be found. And I know some people might have asked, well, did we pull it because we thought the content was low quality? And the answer to that is absolutely, positively, no, absolutely not. Last week's show, which was entitled The Cat's Out the Bag, is, I'll give you a quick overview, right? We talked about the cat being out of the bag as it relates to former athletes and their mental health issues. I shared that one of my former teammates is dealing with some major mental health issues that has now progressed into drug addiction, a drug abuse that is being captured on live videos. Uh, I also shared that several former athletes have teammates dealing with similar situations. So the cat's out of the bag on it. And I, I charge us with the responsibility of trying to help our teammates. Uh, I'm happy to report that my other teammates have some of my other teammates and myself have rallied around this, this particular player and we've sent help and we've got him in a temporary facility and now he is, is, is I hope, hopefully on the road to recovery. It'd be a long road. We've got, we're getting his house cleaned. And so I'm, I'm happy to report that. But that, that was the first part of the cat's out of the bag. We also talked about the cat being out of the bag about the NBA and certain players and coaches showing through uh, what we saw, their limitations and challenges, i.e. Uh, ben Simmons and Steve Nash. Uh, and other players showing that they have unlimited potential, i.e. Devin Booker uh, and some coaches, i.e. Monty Williams. So that was a great segment. And this week's NBA playoffs has sort of confirmed what we talked about in last week's episode. We also talked about in last week's episode the cat being out of the bag as it pertains to the NCAA's ongoing facade, this false promotion of amateurism in response to the Supreme Court ruling on benefit limitations for athletes. We talked about creative ways on how players can get paid and this week's uh, name, image, and likeness ruling or decision was sort of the next step in that 
conversation. But then, last week's episode ended with a short segment on Carl Nassib. And Carl Nassib is the NFL player uh, who made headlines for coming out as a as as being gay and becoming the first openly gay active NFL player. In that segment, at the end of the show, in that five minutes, I made provocative, provocative statements like we always do on the Ball Hawk Sports Talk. We make provocative statements. But when I did so, I was absolutely careless, absolutely careless with my word choice. And by being careless, I hurt family, friends, and people that I truly care about in the process. It's for that reason and that reason alone. We pulled the show. I've used it as a teachable moment because people who actually care about me spent the time to help me learn. Because I care about you as a as a listener, as a supporter, as a as a as an audience member. I want this to be a teachable moment for all of us. I'm happy that we pulled the show. Despite all the work, despite all of the 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 uh, consecutive weeks of of putting out a show, I'm I'm thrilled, elated that we pulled the show, and we're going to talk about why. It's the Ball Hawk Sports Talk. It's your boy B Brown, ESQ, aka the Ball Hawk, aka the Mouth of the South. Another Friday morning. You don't want to miss this one. Tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anybody that you know. We're gonna have a very, very open, candid conversation. Let's go. Wake up, wake up, wake up, and stay woke. Cause this is the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy, B Brown, ESQ, aka the Ball Hog, aka the Mouth of the South. This is the place where sports, business, and entertainment collide. And we're going to give it to you rough, rugged, and raw. So come get you a spoonful like some grits with butter and salt. You know how we do it in the South, y'all. Make sure you do not get caught in your feelings. Strap on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Come on, let's go, go, go. What's up? What's up? What is up? You know what it is. It's the Ball Hawk Sports Talk with your boy, B Brown ESQ, aka the Ball Hawk, aka the Mouth of South, aka Mr. Excessive Celebration, aka I am also here with one of my fellow trustees from the uh, South Orange Board of Trustees. So I am now, aka uh, Bob's uh, sidekick on today's show. Mr. Bob Zuckerman is here in the building. Welcome him to the Ball Hawk Sports Talk. Uh, what's going on, Bob? How you doing this morning? I'm doing fine, Bobby. How are you? I'm fabulous. Can I call you Bobby? Uh, yes. Or I have to call you B Brown. Yeah. Well, you can call me Bobby. For you, you can call me Bobby. I just make you know uh, when when Big Flow comes on, he gotta call me Big B Brown. But you can call say, me Bobby. You're not only the voice of the you know the mouth of the South, you're the mouth of the South Orange. Too. There you go. That's why I just put it South. You know what I mean? It's, okay. Whether it's South Florida, South Orange, Mouth of the South, we, we got it. We got it. Uh, I wanted to make sure I brought you on this morning. Uh, in the opening monologue, I talked about what was uh, very careless and, and and potentially harmful language that I used last week. 
And I did so in a provocative way, and we'll 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 we'll, we'll dive into that. Uh, but I brought you on the show because you were the first uh, openly gay so, uh, trustee to be elected in South Orange, and you were one of the first people that I called after last week's show, and I realized that the word choice was, at a minimum, careless, uh, potentially dangerous to others. You were one of the first people I called. And you answered and you gave me a very um, thoughtful uh, s- uh, segment of your time. You didn't have to do that, but you did. The reason I brought you on to this show, Teachable Moments, is I, I really want to almost redo our conversation, uh, if you don't mind, where and we literally went through, okay, what did I say that offended you? And, and I want to do so for, again, my own teachable moment, but also for the audience. And I ask, not not ask, this is the one time I will ever use this verb. I demand our audience to be, please be respectful of what we're doing here, because um, I don't want any distractions from comments that might be uh, uh, somewhat of a sidetrack. We are two friends, colleagues, and most importantly, human beings that respect each other, have love for one another. So please allow us to have this space, to have this exchange. So I'll start with uh, just open it up. Like like when you initially heard the segment yeah. on Carl Nassib, what were your initial feelings, emotions, if you will? Well, let's, let's step back just a bit, Bobby. Um, the first thing I saw was on, because uh, we're, we're not just friends, we're Facebook friends. And yep. I saw your your subject line for your show last week. And that was, um, you know, after I read it, it said, you know, that Carl was the, the first uh, the first homosexual to um, to participate, you know, uh, active homos- actively play in the NFL. Right. And um, that kind of struck me, not because homosexual is an incorrect word, but it's not the word that the LGBT community uses. It's a, it. it's 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 a clinical term, right? Okay. Um, that and what do you mean by what do you mean by clinical term? I'll, I'll hop in every once in a while just to get because this is teachable. I sure. want to make sure we all understand. What do you mean by clinical term? Well, it's clinical in the way that if you look at the the, the Kinsey scale, right? Homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual, um, and then every sort of everything in the middle. So. Right. When we it, it, it it's a it's a word that harkens back to the fifties and the sixties, uh, when when gay men and 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 trans folks and lesbians, for that matter, um, when their bars were raided by the police, you know, you'd see in the New York Times, uh, it would say, you know, homosexual bar. Right. Um, it, it's just it's it's a clinical term in in the sense that it, it's it, it's it's not, uh of the essence of what we say now. We use the terms LGBT or LGBTQ. Q stands for queer or questioning. We actually took back the word queer, which was a derogatory term, right? Right. Um, So the community has kind of taken it back for our own. Got it, got it, okay. It also stands for questioning, people who don't know. They're not, they don't know what their sexual orientation is yet. That's especially true for our youth, right? So, so, it's LGBTQ, it's gay, it's lesbian, it's bisexual, it's transgender. And that's typically how we refer to 
um, ourselves. So, so if I had written that, I would have said uh, Carl Carl Nassim is the first openly LGBTQ active NFL player. Got it. Or gay, but but I wouldn't have said homosexual. Got it. Um, And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people, you know, in the mainstream, you know, in the a lot of people who are not LGBT don't know that. Um, So. And now they do. And that again, 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 like this is uh, as a, as a public official. And so I'll get to that because, you know, I come here and I say provocative things and I would love for them to remain in the provocative space in which I uttered them. But as an elected official, what we say holds power. And, And I had to come to terms with that last week. And so what I, what I do from this point forward, um, you know, there was an option to just, um, you know, and I wrote a statement. And I wanted to to read the statement. I just felt as though if I did that, it'd be political and I'm just trying to get it behind me. I'm looking forward to having this in front of me, meaning learning not only in this show, learning not only based on what we talked about throughout the week, but learning going forward. And I think that hearing that, hearing that just the term homosexual itself is a clinical and outdated, if not, not if not, I'm assuming offensive way to describe the LGBTQ community. I think that this teachable moment, my audience, uh, if you will, l- let's make sure we, we 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 take note of that because obviously I didn't know I was doing, I was I was saying something that was offensive because I, I wrote it in the description. Right. And so right. what I was going to do, Bobby, was I was going to call you and say, hey, Bobby, let me teach you about the terminology, right? Right. Uh, but then I didn't listen to the show at that point. Then an hour or two later, I get a text from another colleague who did listen to the show and said, your colleague, Bobby, said some really offensive stuff. Right. And, and, and this person considered it homophobic. Right. Now, I know you. I don't I know you not to be homophobic. Right. So so that shocked me. So they told me where on the podcast you could hear, you know, go to 53 minutes. I played right. it with my husband. We were sitting outside. Yep. Um, and who, who I, your husband, uh, Grant, Grant? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing guy who I also consider a friend. So exactly. give a shout out to Grant. So right. you, you hear it with Grant, and then yeah. how, how does it make you feel? Um, it, it, I was shocked. I, I was shocked because what when I saw you post that about Carl Nassim, I assumed, Bobby, knowing you, that what you were going to say was good for him. I support him 100%. More people need to come out of the closet. More sports players need to come out of the closet, um, you know, and, and, and show. And we, we, we support them. And, uh, and that's not what I heard. Right. right? That is not yep. what I heard. I heard right. almost the opposite. Almost the opposite. Almost Let me just stop. Let me stop here because we're going to go sure. by sec- section by section because yeah. I believe all those things. Happy for him more professional athletes um, should feel comfortable indeed if they are part of the LGBTQ community to come up. I did not say those things and this is not, I'm going to say the next thing, which will sound like an excuse. Please don't let it come out, come off as an excuse. I wish we would have started the show versus ending the show um, because in the private chat, you know, we've got this whole, Hey, we got to get out of here. You know, we're already up on an hour and we were rushing and I was not very artful with all the things I did not say. I am very happy for, for Carl Nassib and seems like he's got a good relationship. 
um, in, in a long-term relationship. And I am happy that he came out. I didn't say those things because we were rushing and I dealt with just what we called the pressure that the media is putting on other players because the article that we were analyzing and, and I'm giving this backdrop just because it gives it a little more context. You're a friend and I want people to have the context. Mm -hmm. The article that we were analyzing is um, why didn't other NFL players come out in support of Carl Nassib like J.J. Watt and Saquon Barkley? And so without that backdrop, I hopped in and was rushing and and did a terrible job covering it. Um, but again, I, I'm giving that backdrop just to say as a friend, sure, that will help you give it a little more context. But, but okay. having said that, I use – the term homosexual, which that hopefully is officially the last time I will use it, but I use that term in order to describe it in the write-up. And then I use it again, I think, in the in the in the presentation. I started off with who cares? And you and I have talked, so I'm a, I'm gonna do it this way because I know what what issues uh, we've discussed about what I said. Well, basically, who cares? And I said the pendulum has swung too far the other way. When you heard that, what it how did it make you feel? And and let's talk about it. So when I heard that, I heard the pen. You said the pendulum swung too far the other way. I heard that as the pendulum needs to swing back. We're already there. We're at right. the post LGBTQ. Uh, who cares whether someone's straight, gay, whatever? We're already there. Um, we're already at the point. You know, the analogy I thought about a little bit, Bobby, um, this week too knowing that I'm going to come on the show. And remember how you heard lots of people, I know it's not a political show, but you and I are kind of a little political, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, that you heard from a lot of, especially the far far right conservatives, right wing. Yep. Yep. After Barack Obama was elected and, and reelected, so he was elected twice, racism is over. Right. No more racism because we've right. elected a, a black president twice. You know, you know that's BS. <laughs> that's or, or they or they use they use the uh, the the proof of not being racist. Hey, I voted for Barack Obama. So yes, right. that's laughable. That's right. Absolutely laughable. That's right. Yes. Laughable. Right. And so you were hearing that same sort but of. I was hearing I was hearing that same thing only dealing with LGBTQ. I Got was it. here. I was hearing we're there. We're past the point where anyone should give a shit. Can I say that? You can um, say that on the show. Okay. Okay. Uh, where anyone can. The Big Flow show says it all the time. All you'll, right. you'll hear him say it. Can, worse. Okay. <laughs> all right. Big Flow. Where anyone, can, I, where anyone would give a shit about about who's gay, who's not gay, who's who's straight. But we're not there yet. And the reason we're not there yet is that there are still teenagers, and not just teenagers, but mostly young people and teenagers who are killing themselves because they can't deal with the fact that they might be gay. Right. There are still homeless kids, thousands of them. 40% of homeless youth are LGBTQ. 40%. Now, you know that we don't comprise 40% of the population, right? Right. So, right. That, is, so that, is a, that, is a, that is an incredible statistic and, and very sobering, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and and so when when kids hear, you know, messages like, you know, you don't need to necessarily his teammates don't need to support him or uh, or, you know, it's it, it's um, we, we shouldn't make a big deal out of this or 
um, we're talking just about the, that was another point was just the, you, at one point you, you were just talking about like, I don't care who sleep, you know, who you sleep with. Yeah. I'm going to get to that part. I'm okay. going to get to that all part. Right. Yep. So yep. All that kind of stuff. Um, that can be, har that's harmful. Yep. That's harmful. Agreed. And, and where I want you to get, and I know, I know, I know you will, <laughs> um, cause knowing you, I know you will is, is to be not just not, not homophobic, but being a real ally. Right. And being a real ally. And especially as a former NFL player, um, and, uh, so, so you have an understanding of, of the whole sort of homophobia that goes around in sports still. Absolutely. Today, right. You Absolutely. Have to, you have to know that. And, uh, and some of that is some of that w w is why I think I came in with my own sense of entitlement, meaning when I compare myself, relatively speaking, to some of the conversations about the LGBTQ community in a locker room, like oh, I'm head and shoulders above guys who use, you know, you know, slurs or whatever the case might be and have true homophobia and i came in with my own sense of entitlement uh, i talked about my relationship with you and grant and whether it be family members who identify with the lgbtq community mm -hmm. i came in with my own sense of entitlement because i know i don't have an issue with the community i do have real relationships but at the same time your words and how they would impact young people and especially if someone uh, who listens who goes and repeats that same echoes those same sentiments? Yes, I, it, it, I I did not appreciate just how harmful the words could be, and so that's why I wanted to bring you on um, the promiscuity thing, the analogy. And I told you this when we spoke, so I'm repeating a lot of things we said. The promiscuity thing, I, I made it for those of you who did not see it. Hopefully, a lot of you didn't see it. We pulled it down again on purpose, and I'm glad we did yeah. because my friendship with with Bob and others means way more than being consistent having the show and it was wrong um but the 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 analogy was i was using a hypothetical teammate to say if if one of them was promiscuous and came in and talked about all his sexual exploits the only thing that binds us is a game plan his teammates would be like who cares we don't talk about that i regret it i initially was going to compare and do a hypothetical to uh someone who was a polygamist and i thought to myself well i don't want to compare it to polygamy because it's illegal and, I, and, and I'll get in trouble for comparing some, some to something illegal because same-sex marriage is not. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is I was trying to dance around it. It wasn't a good analogy. Relationships are real relationships, whether they're within the LGBTQ community or not. I should have been talking about who you love is your choice, and I didn't. So let me say that on record, and I apologize for that. Uh, I love seeing you and your husband together. You guys are amazing together, watching you and having – uh, you know, moments we talked about, you know, uh, the March on Washington and, you know, the history of your relationship as it, as it pertains to U.S. history uh, in the LGBTQ community. So I apologize for that. Um, I will give you sort of like the last word because I should have given it more time. We should have discussed it in a way because Carl Nassib's statement was a huge statement. So I, I take the, the the blame for that, trying to take a huge moment and shove it into five minutes. Um, but I want you to, and it is a validation yeah. in Pride Month, a sense of pride that he got to come right. out as you know a gay man, active player. For our audience members, because uh, yeah. we're always fighting against time on the show, but for sure. our audience yeah. members, this teachable moment, uh, 
talk to both me and them about sort of where we go from here. Because again, as a political figure, I could have just written a statement and let's get this behind me. I don't want it behind me. I want it in front of me, but that's going to require taking guidance, taking instruction, taking, uh, having these conversations. So what would you leave the audience with from that standpoint? What can be teachable from not only my mistake, and and I apologize genuinely and sincerely for it today on the phone, I, I, I was wrong. But then for the common mistakes that whether it be the use of the word homosexual, the attitude that, uh, you know, we do need to swing back further the other way. And I'll explain what I meant by that. But what would you leave our audience with in terms of a teachable moment? Sure, Bob. So um, I don't know if you are aware of this play, former player, um, Wade Davis. Um, Wade Davis played for the Titans. He played for the Redskins when they were called the Redskins about 10 years ago. And he came out after he retired. So again, he, one of several actually who, who did that. Yep. Um, and he just wrote a great, a great piece in Vox magazine, Vox.com. I would, I would urge you to read it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, he talks about the support that is needed and the, and the, the work that is really needed, not so much from LGBTQ folks when it comes to homophobia in sports, but from you guys, from, from, from the straight community um, that is really needed in terms of uh, being there to support a teammate who makes this move. Got it. This was courageous. This was super courageous of him. I know he's got a guaranteed contract. He's got two more years, right? Lots, several million dollars. Great, good for him. But, you know, after Michael Sam came out right before the draft, he got cut. And then he, and we don't know why, right? Maybe it's because he didn't have what it takes or maybe there were other reasons. Right. So the last thing I want to leave you with, Bobby, is that um, as a teammate, First of all, it's always great to support your teammates when they're going through stuff, right? No matter Absolutely. what, no matter Absolutely. what, your teammate. Absolutely. You know? So, so you know, you know all about that, and and I think what what I want to leave you with is that for every Carl Nassim that comes out, it gives the next guy or the next baseball player or the next male tennis player or whomever who might be LGBTQ to come out. And the more people that come out, the more acceptance there is in the world for LGBTQ people, the less violence there is, the less hate, and the more people just realize that we're people just just like everyone else. Uh, on that note, because we are people just like everyone else on, on both sides of the LGBTQ ledger, I guess, uh, those who identify and those who do not, uh, is why we had you here, because of the, the personal relationship uh, again, I say I'm sorry to you, uh, to Grant, to the entire community for rushing through something and not using the right language and, and honestly not having the right approach and attitude to it. Uh, I look forward to going moving forward in the sense that uh, I do plan to be and challenge myself with being a real ally. Thank you, Bob Zuckerman, for coming to the Ball Hawk Sports Talk. You Thank are welcome you, back anytime. I'll right, see you we'll soon. Talk, we'll talk sports next time. Go Giants. Go, right, go Giants. Oh, yeah. Hey, who's your That's baseball why, team? What's that? 
who's I think Mets is your baseball Mets team. Is my baseball team, Giants, Giants, NFL. Sorry, so only Giants, that. Yankees, Jets, Mets. We'll we'll talk about. We'll bring you back to talk about how you became, uh, you know, Giants, Mets. But thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it, my. Thank brother. you, Bobby. Uh, these topics, you all, are not easy. And at the Ballhawk Sports Talk, where sports, business, and entertainment collide, the most human thing that we can do is acknowledge when we're wrong. Yes, we're going to be provocative. We're going to say things that not everyone's going to like. But at the same time, uh, I, I do want to acknowledge the human aspect of it. And knowing that I hurt my friends, I'm in the room right now where my mother lived. And unfortunately, you know, this is where the end became near. Um, you know, my brother's house I'm in, in Florida. My mother lived here for a while. And my mother taught me to treat all humans right, to love all humans. And so uh, the mere thought that a friend, someone that I cherish uh, and adore, would think that uh, for some reason I I, I don't love him, I, I'm not the person that I put myself out to be, was was hurtful, to be honest. And so with that, we are going to bring on, in this Teachable Moment episode, yet another friend, um, happens to be also a political figure, but it won't be politics. We're going to take the next part of the conversation uh, with none other than a new friend on the show, Dean Daffis. Come on in, Dean. Mr. Dean Daffis, how are you, my brother? I'm great. It's great to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me, man. Oh, man. Thank you for coming on. Uh, And just, again, quick backdrop. Dean happens to be, I don't know if you're the first elected gay official in Maplewood. It's a sister town. There's South Orange and Maplewood for all my Floridians. Dean and I, we compete. Uh, not when it comes to LGBTQ issues, uh, um, but we compete in terms of fashion because he's always the best dressed in the in the uh, in, in the venue. So I'm always trying to keep up, uh, but always a, a a great conversation that we have. You helped me in terms of leading me into politics and navigating that. And I wanted to just sort of you and I had a conversation last Friday too. I called you. You got noticed that the, these comments were made in, in that segment. And you and I talked and we had some really deep moments and I wanted to bring those deep moments here again for teachable moments. um, Please, audience members, be patient, be respectful of the fact that I've got a friend, a real friend on the show. Uh, But being quiet is, is, is I think, a very good strategy, sitting back and actually listening to teach to 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 taking advantage of a teachable moment. So. uh, Bob Zuckerman mentioned Michael Sam's. You and I talked about it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the evolution of that disclosure versus this disclosure. And I also want to talk into talk about, if you don't mind, some of the, the toxic masculinity, because I do think there are levels. There are levels where such that it becomes toxic. Not all masculinity is toxic, but there is some. And your household growing up, what that's done for you, you've worked with uh, kids. And Bob Zuckerman also mentioned the, the increased rate of being suicidal amongst the LGBTQ community, uh, young LGBTQ community. So let's dive in with that. I'll start with sort of Michael Sands versus Carl Nassib. Uh, is it a celebration of the evolution of the announcements or something more? I'll start there. Well, we could spend a couple shows just on that, my friend. First of right. all, you know, at the outset, I want to I want to salute you, Bobby, for what you're doing here. Um, we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. Right. Uh, and uh, to to recognize them, to have an open heart and an open mind to doing better, to growing closer together to someone else or another part of the community. 
that you're not already close to or know as well. Uh, that's the best that we can ask of us as, as neighbors, as humans, as friends, as family, et cetera, et cetera. And you and I, as, as public figures, we have that extra responsibility. I mean, you are a former NFL player, my friend, that is at the highest echelon of professional sports in our country. You're a black man, celebrated leader, right? And you're now a public official uh, of a town of almost 20,000 people. So taking this opportunity in this very public way to acknowledge your blind spot, though very painful to do so so publicly, yeah. it's a growth opportunity, it's a teachable opportunity, and it's not about me and Bob or your other LGBTQ friends. It's about the LGBTQ community and all of us growing closer together. So, so yeah, so Bob, said, Bob said, you know, I watched the, uh, the, your discussion with Bob, which is really good. Uh, some really deep stuff came up there. Um, I wonder what happened with Michael Sam. And my, my simple answer is racism, racism, racism. Wow. Michael Sam uh, came out as gay um, and he's also a black man. This this white, blonde, blue-eyed guy comes out. Uh, yes, he's an active player already, but he comes out as gay and everyone jumps to hug him. And I, I really want to make this clear that what we're talking about here is the importance of people in professional sports who identify as LGBTQ to come out and why that's important, right? Right. Um, we are not celebrating. I am not celebrating Carl the man. Uh, yes, it's great that Carl came out. And as Bob said so well, he will make it easier for others to come out. But let's remember, Carl is a very conservative, um, you know, ultra right, not just Republican, but ultra right Trump supporter. Carl supported and stood next to Trump, the former president, when Trump was passing anti-LGBTQ legislation, which wow. was extremely homophobic, extremely transphobic. Uh, some of the legislation that Trump pursued was literally trying to erase trans kids from our universe, which we know right. is ridiculous. But, you know, he was rolling back all of the rights that we have fought so hard so hard for decades to get to, he was rolling them back and he was stacking the Supreme Court, making it ultra conservative. You know, let's remember the Supreme Court of the United States just a couple of weeks ago during Pride ruled that certain organizations can reject uh, certain organizations in the business of certifying foster parents and adoption. They can reject same-sex parents because of their religion. They could say on the basis of my religion, I don't approve of that kind of relationship, as you said earlier, or that mm -hmm. marriage. So I'm not mm -hmm. going to certify this child, uh, certify them as parents. Right. So that's that's the reality that we're in. We should live in a world where it doesn't matter, as you said before, but it right. does matter. And as Bob said, you know, there's way too many LGBTQ youth in particular uh, out there who are you know, thinking that they're better off dead than living openly and honestly about who they are. So it's our responsibility to celebrate them, to encourage them, to mentor them. And they need people like us to look up to. That's why Bob and I are so visible. Yes, mm -hmm. we're not just defined by 
our LGBTQ status. We're a lot of other things. We're lawyers, we're advocates, we're, you know, Bob runs a business district. You know, he's a successful businessman, right? You have a successful business. You're a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. You know, there's so many other things that define us, but it's important for those kids out there who are still struggling with shame and bias. Right. Have someone to look up to. And that is what you know, you're correcting when you said last week in your show, you know, I don't want to be a role model for somebody else. You go to your parents and let them teach you. Well, no, you are a role model, my friend, because when we look at that data about, you know, the struggles that LGBTQ youth are still facing in our country today, when Mm -hmm. you go deeper in that data and you look at the youth of color, wow, it's, it's even worse. It's, it's, it's even worse. It's a there's more. a there's yeah. a there's a, a not so hidden reality in the black community that you know homophobia is is has been is run rampant in the black community, and I'll admit that. And so last week, just to to make the, the slight nuance, I said that the the players shouldn't be the role models. But as a former player, I was trying to give the perspective from the locker room itself. And while I did want to be provocative and say in the locker room, the only thing that binds us is the game plan. What I did omit is the historical context and all the hurt. And, and that's why I'm like, we should not have tried to, to, to squeeze that into five minutes because I was trying to get to just the, hey, I don't think players should feel the pressure to come out and support Carl Nassib. And in doing so, I completely ignored the historical pain that is in all the mistreatment, all of the the feeling as though you cannot come out over the years. Uh, I do see now that the NFL is putting out, rolling out a campaign uh, in support of the LGBTQ community um, and Carl Nassib with their ad. And it's just interesting to me because, you know, again, we you know, you talked about Michael Sands versus Carl Nassib. It's interesting to me to see the NFL come out so quickly which they should, uh, but they fought tooth and nail for social justice over the last two years, right? They, they fought it, you know? And then so um, it is absolutely imperative that whether it be me, and I did say uh, parents and public, I'm both, I'm a parent and a public official now. And this is where I'm going to argue against my point last week and our celebrities and professional athletes to understand and appreciate that historical context in addition to, like you said, the vulnerability of kids that look up to us. And that's where I look back on and said, that was careless. Uh, And so where where do we go from here? And here's the teachable moment part, because I I think that some of the players are reluctant to come out in support of Carl Nassib, not because they don't celebrate that he's able to love who he loves, but they don't want to say the wrong thing. And I think that avoiding the topic, if I would have just written, you know, read a statement at a public meeting and oh, I can't wait to get this behind me, I would have just been another part of the problem. All right. So so how do we make people more comfortable having this tough discussion? Because it's a tough discussion and things have evolved quickly. Even the use. Of, I, I wrote it in in the description, the word homosexual. So obviously I didn't know that we had evolved such that that's a clinical term no longer to be used. How do we get people more comfortable having this discussion, even though it's uncomfortable, and encourage them because our kids are watching? Right. By coming to the table with open heart and mind, as you're doing today, by not persecuting people, by not judging them, 
for their blind spots. If it's ignorance and not malice, okay, which applies here in this particular case with absolutely, your, absolutely. With your comments, then then we have a duty as fellow neighbors and, and humans to come to the table and have these conversations. And yeah, they are tough conversations and we don't always use the right words. But as you said, words do matter. Words can kill, right? Words can perpetuate shame and stigma that the LGBTQ community still feels today, despite how far we have come since the 50s and the 60s, right? Um, in fact, what I heard, one of the things that I heard uh, predominantly from your show last week was, you know, keep it to yourself. It's your business. I I'm okay with you if you're gay. That's fine, man. It's all good. I celebrate you, but you know, just keep it, keep it to yourself. You don't need to tell people. Don't tell people in the media. Don't tell people in the locker room. I don't need to know that part of you. A and that's, that's space. What I heard there is don't ask, don't tell, right? right? That was the, that, that was the, where we were before. Don't ask, don't tell means what? It's a that was the military. That was it. For those who don't know, that was the military approach to the LGBTQ community, and 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 what did that do to our military personnel when we did have that approach? Don't ask, don't tell. I'll let you share. It, it made them go back in the closet because what was happening was uh, people were witch hunting, right? Looking for someone who they suspected was LGBTQ, following them during weekend passes or allowances, the time off, are they going to a gay bar, right? Or the worst, and this leads us to the next part of our conversation you wanna to have today, are they, does Dean pass? Is he straight acting enough? So I'm not really sure if he's gay, so I'm not gonna bother going there. Or is he effeminate and I'm sure he's gay, so I'm going to uh, out him to military personnel. All of those people, uh, who a lot of people who served during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, when they were discovered as gay, right? Mm -hmm. Even, you know, off base or on base, they were dishonorably charged. And still today, these people have not received the honor that they deserve. They have served our country, many of them in battle, my friend, in the front lines, serving our country and ensuring that we have the freedom to do what you and I are doing on this show so well this morning. Um, and, and they have the highest dishonor against them because of who they love, right? So, so to say to people, you know what, keep it to yourself, is to perpetuate that shame that it's shameful. And right. we know in the in the black community and in a lot of other cult in other communities where you know, um, pray the gay away. You know, growing up in the church, yeah. Uh, and all of that stuff is prevalent still today. Um, we know that there are people who have that shame. There are a lot of talented kids in our two communities, Bobby, mm -hmm. who play sports, but they're afraid. They're either making this choice. Well, I'm not going to go play because they're not going to accept me. I'm gay, right? right. Or right. I have to hide that I'm gay and live in secret, be in the closet, lead a double life. Be, you know, and I would say to someone, you know what? The person that I want to be next to in the locker room, gay or straight, is someone who is honest, right? right. That's the person that I want to know because I can rely on that person on the field, on the front lines. Absolutely. And that, 
right? Right? Like that's absolutely trust, isn't there? So we don't want to tell people to go back in the closet, keep it to yourself, you know, just do it when you're home. We want people to say, you know what, you are who you are and you should wave your flag. I'll wave my flag. You wave your flags and together we'll stand one next to the other, you know, side by side. So, I, so let's talk I, about I love it. Let's talk about toxic masculinity. So I grew yeah, up, especially in sports, because I I know that you yeah. have a personal anecdote, and then we'll 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 pivot from here and get back to the show. But I think it, it 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 and I say get back to the show in the sense that we've got some sports topics, but I want this to connect to the sports topic, the toxic yeah. masculinity, things yeah. like hey, stop dribbling like a girl, all right. right, or or if you're crying after a loss, stop crying like a girl, um, right. you know, um, there's this there is this this uber hyper masculinity in in sports. Uh, let's talk about that and in, in connection to sort of the toxic masculinity in, in a household. And then and then we'll uh, we'll get you out of here for today. But we got to have you back. Uh, but if you would, please, please expound. Yeah, man. So, you know, listen, the, you and I grew up probably in similar households or cultures. You know, uh, my parents were very religious. I grew up in the church um, and at school. I went to, you know, a Catholic school, you know, where you it was very regimented, right? And it wasn't very diverse by any means. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a certain way that you're supposed to act during gym, right? And I knew early on, as early as eight years old, I didn't know what gay meant. Obviously, I wasn't sexually active at eight years old, right? This is why, again, when we talk about LGBTQ, it's not about sex, y'all. Relationship. It's about right. a bigger thing, right? Absolutely. So at eight years old, I knew I was different than the other boys because, I wasn't, I couldn't pass as a straight boy like they could. I tried, but as the more that I tried, the more I was called a sissy, right? The more my father would, you know, punish me when he saw that I walked like a queen or like a sissy or when I ran or I passed the ball. I was actually a really good tennis player when I was young, but I was told over and over again, there was never any room for someone like me unless I tried harder to to act like a guy is supposed to act like a real man so that led my family to take me into conversion therapy there was the bible pray the gay away at first um and the bible camps and all that stuff and that led to actual conversion therapy where you're working with a therapist to teach you how to not be who you are, to try and convert you from who you are. You know, wow. don't put your legs, don't talk like this, don't use your hands, you know, be lower your voice, right? Uh, in my case at the time, thank God they're not doing it like this anymore. You know, I underwent electroshock therapy, right? Wow. So every time that I, you know, was sissy like, I get electrocuted, my friend, over wow. and over again. I was 13 years old, right? That led to a very long early adult life of shame, of self-doubt, self-harm, you know, um, getting married, a heterosexual marriage, you know, um, and, and just being dishonest about who I was. You know, when I finally came out later, you know, in my 30s again, right, I had already come out. Everybody was so much more embracing of me. They were like, Dean, we always knew you were gay. We didn't care about that. And right. we we were so sorry to see you struggle like that. You know, yeah. my colleagues said the same thing. You know, everywhere in my life, um, I realized, oh, wow, I wasted 30 some years of my life 
trying to be someone that I'm not and trying right. to erase myself, right? So that's what happens in the locker room, right? There is this idea that um, if you're not tough in that way and if you don't pass like the other guys do, then that's a negative and you need to change that. And it's okay to bully you and it's okay to try and erase you. And that's where the masculinity which like you said, in of itself is not a bad thing, that's when it becomes toxic. And that's when it leads to violence. We know there's a lot of violence against our trans kids right now about they're using the locker room and restroom that aligns and affirms their identity, right? Their gender right. identity. Um, you know, that's happening right here in Jersey, blue Jersey, blue liberal progressive Jersey. That's happening in South Orange and Maplewood in our schools sometimes when our trans kids are not allowed to use the restroom that they want to use. What do we care where someone pees, right? <laughs> but but apparently perfectly said. Right, right. right but but, right. but that that is why it's beyond just the words. It, it's it's offensive and harmful, not potentially harmful, but harmful because what we're saying to those kids and to all the sports players. And remember, everything that we're talking about is exponentially worse for persons of color, for queer persons of color, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're saying it's okay to be ashamed and it's okay right. to consider suicide and it's okay to harm yourself and live in the closet uh, or worse, you know? Well, here on the Ball Hawk Sports Talk, uh, as, of, as of today, uh, we're saying it's not okay. And last week, with some very tacky and harmful language, I left the door open that it might be. And so I apologized last Friday. I've, I've talked to you throughout the week. We've had these conversations. We have a friendship. Uh, again, uh, instead of looking at the very bad moment that I had last week, and during that, those five minutes as let's get beyond this. I'm looking forward to putting it in front of us and being an ally going forward. Uh, I apologize to you privately. I'm going to apologize to you publicly. Uh, but this is not the last time you'll be on the ball hawk sports talk because you, you watch our show regularly. So we got to have you back because uh, you were going into talking about bathrooms. And, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's a show in itself. We talked about the racial components of Michael Sam. So uh, I'll make sure I call my scheduling agent, which happens to be me. <laughs> Uh, and get you on here again. But thank you seriously for your contributions to the Ballhawk Sports Talk, for the historical perspective that you shared with me and the audience. This teachable moment will make me better as an ally and hopefully other audience members. And let's make sure that we we, we do support our kids, uh, no matter what community they identify. So with that, again, thanks for coming through. Dean Daffis here at the Ballhawk Sports Talk. Uh, we'll see you soon, my brother. Thank you, Bobby. And listen, Bobby, you can be an incredible ally. A lot of kids look up to you, my friend. They really looking, really looking forward to it. A lot and of I, our men, and we need you. We need yeah. people like you. So let's I'm, do it. I'm looking forward to it, and I know you'll hold me accountable. So let's do it together, brother. You got it. Thank you, man. All right. Uh, look, guys, I, I, I took the time to do that, to have the conversation, because I do think it, it is that important. Uh, when I look back on the words, knowing what I was thinking when I said it, but knowing how they were then received and hearing my friends, true friends and colleagues, hearing their response uh, was a life changer for me, an eye opener for me. And I hope that all of you, uh, no matter where you are on the continuum in terms of 
how comfortable you are with LGBTQ community, how comfortable you are with the verbiage and having the conversation. Um, we we got to do better because to hear that there is such a high suicide rate among our young people uh, and to hear stories like Dean's of, of, of going through electroshock therapy, uh, it saddens me as, as someone that was taught to love all people by my mom. And I hope it saddens you. Uh, with that, you know, we're going to take a little quick pause and we're going to pivot and get right back into some sports business entertainment. Thank you. Like I said, always, please like, please comment, please share, tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anybody that you know. Stay tuned. We got a little more sports business entertainment before we get out of here for the week. You know who that is. That mug right there with all the sun around it. You put a hat over it now. It is the Big Flow Show. Um, What's good, America? Back. What's good? What's good, man? What's good? Hey, thank you to the two guests that we had in the beginning. I think it was important uh, to have those segments. Um, you know, one thing I'll take away and I know we'll move forward is that, uh, you know, people have dis disagreements and they have uh, chances times where they're offended. It was nice to be able to come on and just calmly tell people um exactly what was going on and how they felt without being aggressive and and making whatever because that becomes more polarizing and a lot of the guests on our show probably took the time to listen to it and make it self-reflect i learned some stuff so thank you to both those guests today i think that was definitely insightful and really really awesome people man so i i, I was happy that they both agreed when i when i asked and um yeah I, I, i'm glad we did that um you know, packing in that that segment last five minutes. You know, you were texting me, "Hey, I got to get out of here." Uh, I wish we wouldn't have reached, uh, sort of reached and tried to rush it. But um, if we would not have made that mistake, and I, that's what I'm gonna call it—a mistake—we would not have had that opportunity to educate our audience. And so, uh, to whom much is given, much shall be expected. And I hope the Ball Hawk Sport Talk keeps high expectations. That was an amazing, amazing exchange. I'm glad we did it. Um, but we also got to get into some other issues. So we we are, you know, in July now. Pride Month was last month. I can't believe I made the mistake during Pride Month. Uh, but now we're into July, which is big, 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 big time basketball month. That's a joke. Normally it's not. Normally we're done in June. But we're still having NBA talk. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about the Olympics. We're going to talk about name, image, and likeness. We're going to do it quickly because uh, the show's running a bit longer than normal. Uh, but before we do, Introducing to some and just acknowledging to others, uh, the Ball Hawk Sports Talk not only is taking a big giant step forward because of the discussion that we just had, but we're taking a big giant step forward because uh, the man behind the machine, we decided he shouldn't be behind the machine no more. I'm going to call him ETP, and that's Ellis, the producer, uh, is going to be on screen from now on. Uh, for those of you who have come on the show as a guest, you know Ellis is the one making all the all the controls. A good brother, an absolutely great brother. We argue so much in the in the post production that we decided that we had to give our fans a little more entertainment. So welcome to the show. We wish we had a big a no limit chain or a Rockefeller chain to welcome you, my brother, because it's official. And you come right in with that Boston Red Sox hat. I guess you want everybody to know you're a Boston fan. Is that what this is? Listen, man, you don't have enough representation. We got a uh, first time ever the third base and shortstop position in the All-Star game this year is Boston Red Sox, and we're doing pretty well. So They still play I mean, baseball? 
They do, surprisingly. It still happens around these parts. So You see, dude I, got caught cheating, man. That's, I, we don't even have that on the, the list of topics. But the first pitcher got caught cheating. So I guess there is baseball going on. We did. There's strip searching them and everything. So it's it's become <laughs> a little bit more provocative than uh, the original. They're trying to spice it up. The, the game needs more ratings. So I think they're in a good position. What kind of bird is that uh, tweeting in the background there, Reg? Reg is in the – we can't tell people where you are, man, because that's how you you, 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 you put yourself in harm's way. But you're I'll somewhere you, different than normal because ain't no birds uh, like that in Chicago. Facts, facts. I think that's a toucan or a parakeet. I can't tell exactly which one it is, toucan. but there's a lot of birds <laughs> that are flying around here. Some pelicans. I saw pelicans the other day. But no, I'm, I'm not scared to tell you guys I'm in Florida right now. I'm suffering through some uh, – sunny days and beaches and all kind of stuff like that but that's all right i still have time for everybody to come on to the big flow nope not the big flow show i just tried to it is this part you are the big flow show, I'm the big part flow show coming to the ball hawk sports talk i want to come out and make sure i didn't miss anything so i just told him go on to the beach everybody go on and have fun i got work to do time to come out on the show i knew ellis was going to be on today i couldn't miss that inaugural ellis uh uh episode you know what i mean this is going to go double platinum so anyway, welcome to the Here show, the Enigma. Yeah, I saw earlier. The Enigma. And so Ellis, <laughs> you you gonna start us off, right? I mean, um, you've controlled the show forever, man. We love having 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 you on the show, and let's 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 get it in, man. What's up? What, 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 how are we starting this? So yeah, man. I mean, I'm I'm trying to I'm going away from the Suge Knight approach, getting more on this Diddy. Bring the producer all in the videos. All up in the like videos. So we'll we'll do some quick hits. It's just there's been a lot of stuff this week. Uh, I think to start, you know, one thing that's interesting in segueing from uh, the discussion. So seventy sixty years ago, the Yankees uh, were written a letter by a young girl. She was ten years old, and she had applied to be the bat girl for the Yankees, and. That was in June, June 23rd, 1961. Her name, uh, last name was Goldman. And they basically said, we agree, girls are important, uh, but we just are not able to bring you into uh, the role. And her, grand, her granddaughter or her daughter, 60 years later, wrote a letter requesting, and the Yankees basically brought them, brought her in at 70 years old, made her day. She was over the moon about it. Uh, but just a really interesting story because that is interesting. So they got a 70 year old bat girl. I don't know much about baseball, but some tell me a 70 year old being a bat girl has its limitations. But go ahead, Yankees. That is good to write that wrong. Never too late to do what's right when you did. You know, they made wrong. her right. They had to sign one of the waivers and stuff. <laughs> if she can't get out the way, baby, I don't know. Like yeah, she gotta be careful what she asked for. <laughs> be careful what you asked for. But I think that you know them denying her only because she was a girl. Basically, there's no girls in baseball. No crying in baseball, but they said no girls in baseball. Uh, good for the Yankees. And good for you as a Boston Red Sox fan. Did that be your opening story, man? What else you got hey, for man. this week, brother? Listen, without the Yankees, I'm not a Red Sox fan. I'm all about rivalry. So There you go. I yeah, like it. So, so, yeah, I mean, in the, in the baseball realm, you got UConn. Uh, their pitcher, Justin Willis, uh, for the university, was actually in the condominium building in Surfside, Florida, that collapsed and got out of there about uh, 15 feet. He was 15 feet from where the edge of the building collapsed. So the whole building right. didn't collapse. He was there on vacation in his grandparents' uh, condo and was able to tell, you know, speak about it. So just, a, you know, sad, really tragic. There's still 
checking the rubble, uh, trying to recover as many people as they can. But, you know, from a sports perspective, just, you know, tragic story, but good that, that this pitcher can continue on with his life and his family. And it's just a really, uh, you know, prolonged disaster that's happening. And, you know, I think we always want to call those out in the show. Yeah, man, it, it's uh, in Miami. Uh, I happen to be in, in South Florida as well right now, visiting family. But in Miami, uh, that story is you just never know. The teachable moment there is live every day, right? Because you just never know. An entire building collapses, which you don't think could ever happen, but indeed it could happen. And, you know, I'm glad to see that this particular picture from UConn and his family was able to, able to escape. But the teachable moment there is, man, you got to live every day like it's your last because you, you never know. Um, what else you got for us, E? Yeah, so in the college college World Series, uh, sticking with baseball in college, uh, Vanderbilt actually lost to Mississippi State to win the College World Series. But before that, NC State had one player test positive for COVID. And as a result, they did, entered into COVID protocols and had to forfeit the semifinal. And given that teams are now bringing in people into full stadiums, it's just a really interesting story that even in this times, you know, obviously Chris Paul with the NBA, but uh, you have essentially the entire NCAA tournament getting compromised because of COVID still to this day. I mean, one way you look at it and say, all right, well, through the whole baseball, you hear the one case, so you know we're moving ahead. But the other side, you say, hey, aren't people vaccinated? Shouldn't this be something that you shouldn't have to do the protocol as well? Because even if he caught it, if everyone's vaccinated, they shouldn't be able to get it. It shouldn't spread. So I don't know. I kind of feel bad, you know, for the team. You get that far. As far as we've come, as much as we've given up, um, that it, it comes down to that. So, um, but again, luckily, I guess luckily for the story, Vanderbilt won anyway, so they can say we would have beat you guys too. Do you think that because your your son will be a, a, a college athlete soon? Do you think that the NCAA or the institutions themselves should make vaccination mandatory? I don't know if this particular player was vaccinated, but do you, I, should they make it uh, mandatory? Just quickly. No, I think, think? I, I don't think the NCAA should make it mandatory. I think that. These protocols, the team should make it mandatory. I think each individual school should say, hey, I want you guys to get vaccinated because this can happen. And the NCAs will keep the rules where they are, and I think that will pressure people into doing it. I don't think they should be the one. NCAA can't, can't get anything right anyway. So I, I don't know. I just can't understand why the teams haven't made it mandatory or why the kids wouldn't just jump forward. You know, my son was like, let me get, let me get vaccinated as soon as possible. He doesn't right. want to miss anything, so. Uh, Ellis, what you got? What else you got for us? The production meeting with the producer, ETP. Ellis, the producer. What else you got, man? Yeah, so totally different. Switching gears. We don't talk about a lot on this show. Uh, cycling. So Tour de France. There was a fan in the cycling. stage one. What say race. cycling? What do you say cycling? Cycling. Cycling. Recycling. Bi what you mean? Bicycling. 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 Okay. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, so and basically somebody in the stage one of the competition, they wanted to get on camera. They held up a sign that said, go grandma and grandpa. Uh, and it went into the field of play or onto the, the track and caused dozens of uh, bikers to essentially crash. Two people had to go to the hospital. The fan was on the run, on the lamb, as they say, for about three days. And then they were finally apprehended and hit with a lawsuit. But the race organizers decided to 
actually withdraw the lawsuit to sue the to sue the fan, I guess. And there's now a current situation where the the cyclists that were affected individually are trying to make a decision on how they're going to proceed because you can't you know, sue they, nobody for putting up a sign for their grandma. The teachable moment is if you're going <laughs> to be stupid, make sure it's directed towards your grandma. Because I don't yeah. think this lady's going to get in that much trouble. And I don't think she should, but you got to be careful, man. And I know we always do it because everybody's stunting for the gram. She was stunting, putting the dog on sign out for grandma. Hey, grandma, I'm here. And a cyclist ran into the sign and essentially ruined the Tour de France. You got to blame the organizers. I know the Tour de France is like 2,100 miles or something like that. So it's going to be a lot of holdback. But each area needs to have their own crowd control to hold people back. Of course, she had her moment. Everyone wants her 15 seconds of fame that they can come out with the sign and shout Hers out. Hers is grandma, infamy. Grandma. It wasn't fame. She's infamous. infamous. Shout out for shout out to grandma. I I, can, I never could you know uh, get mad at someone for shout out to grandma, but it shouldn't be able to get in front of the bicycle people like that. There should be somebody a get back coach. They need a get back. Yeah. The Tour France needs a get back coach. That's what they need. Get back <laughs> quality control. That's what they call the get back coach. Yeah. Uh, what else you got in the yeah. production meeting, Ellis? Well, I bet you will not do that at uh at the F one race next time. So oh, straight up, straight up. I guarantee, I guarantee she ain't gonna be out there with that F one driver. <laughs> For sure. So next one is a a unique job in the NBA. So there's information that's come out about how much the NBA floor sweepers make, you know, the players fall sweat on the floor need to make sure that nobody's slipping and sliding obviously very crucial to the safety uh and progression of the game but has come to be known that they make upwards of or on average about eighty thousand, upwards of a hundred thousand depending on bonuses and incentives whatever that entails we can we can nobody discuss, slips but, yeah nobody <laughs> right so your slip rate is your sleep <laughs> slip rate as low as possible so just a really yeah. interesting story you don't talk about the people that actually produce the the activity behind the game it's always about the athletes the teachable moment there is don't block your blessings you could imagine somebody in a bar and uh a person walks up and the exchange is what you do for a living i i clean floors you're not the, the, normally the next thing won't be oh, let me give you my number you just immediately assume that they might be beneath the status in which you are trying to date don't block your blessings because these these people brothers and sisters getting paid uh, to clean them NBA floors and sign me up. I can do it on the weekend, NBA. How about sure. boy? They never have a Man. game when I'm working, so I'm, I'm all over that. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder the if they're going to – they might have to start a college major for it since they make so much money. Straight up. They do, Man, hey, I do, wonder what they do put in a lot of elbow grease when they get out there with that thing. look like they're, they're curling the way that those yeah. hit the floor. Now <laughs> I know I always wonder, well, why are they working so hard? Now I know why they working right. so hard. They so, getting p -p 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 paid. They get yeah. work hard for that dog. <laughs> check. I see it. What maybe else you like, got, yeah, man? Maybe it's like the soccer players that, you know, they retire from the Premier League and go play in the MLS. You got these Canadian curlers retire from the Olympics and come sweep floors. Go clean that in floor, the NBA baby. for That's the bag. The next step. Get paid. Yeah. What else you got for us? Yeah, now? on the NBA front, Carmelo Anthony, first recipient of – the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social NBA Social Justice Award inaugural year. Word up, Melo. Don't count him out. More, more of that story. The teachable moment is you can always reinvent yourself. Melo ball on the court and off the court. Shout out to him, man. And I love that award to encourage social justice. So good job, Melo.
Then Miles Garrett winning awards like that too after after Helmet Gate. So everybody can reinvent themselves. You got a chance. You got a chance. Hey, don't don't mess with my Browns. Go ahead, Ellis. He trying to hate. He trying to hate. Humans have many layers. <laughs> so yeah. So I mean, moving along. So that those are the quick hits. You know, just wanted to pull up that. I guess the next piece is just getting into the main topics. And you know, one of the the main topics of the week was with Scotty Pippen really starting to come out and promote his all of his business ventures, his book, his whiskey, his all you know everything that he's got going on i think what do y'all think about that? because that, hair, that, hairstyle <laughs> hairstyle you know he doing this he doing you know that. you know me i, I feel that, like you you can stunt your hair at, at 50 something if you can stunt with your hair stunt with it i can't be mad at the hairstyles and he's ugly no matter what he does so he might as well just go ahead and just embrace the ugliness can't call nobody ugly no more man he's he's beautifully challenged aesthetically challenged don't call, <laughs> aesthetically challenged. call that man ugly. That. my fault but it's to teach man, uh, it does sound like though with Scotty Pippen, he almost sounds like he got an axe to grind. So hearing these excerpts come out, I don't know still. whether or books and stuff, which he's selling a book because of the axe to grind that he has. It, I mean, even with the, the the Michael Jordan relationship, that the little excerpts will come out now. Phil Jackson, we have seen people be retroactive in how we respond to their uh, sexual deviancy. A la, you know, R. Kelly and in this week, Bill Cosby. We look back on it and it changed your entire outlook on that figure as you knew him, whether it be R. Kelly's music or Bill Cosby's shows. Does this taint how we look at Phil Jackson's, the championships, him as a coach? What do y'all think? Because if 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 true, some of the stuff didn't sound like racism, it sounded more like different eras and how you approach being a professional um because coaches have always told us we can't wear our hair a certain way you got to wear this to a game so that didn't sound like racism to me but some of it was had race racist like implications does this taint phil jackson's legacy as a coach i don't think it does um at the end of the day he won a bunch of championships he's the best nba coach there ever was um are we surprised that a person born in 1945 has some of those views I mean, early forty-five. Said, he was born in Coke forty-five. If you look at the show, if you look at the way we began this show, um, there's a mistake. It's two thousand and twenty-one, and you use a term that ten years ago everybody used. It was no big deal. I, right? I think two years ago everybody used. Everyone, everyone used it. I, two weeks ago, I used it. I didn't. I, I didn't know until today, or when we talked about the show, that you couldn't say that word. I had no idea that, that was any negative connotation about it. And I think you people learn from that. So when I go back to. Uh, we, we allowed people to call us thugs if we were dressed a certain way. We allowed people to do that. And now we put our foot down and said, you know what? Thug is cold, right? And now people can't really say it like they used to say it. They still say it. But, like, when he said it a few years back, a lot of people were saying that. A lot of people were doing it. When he said the, the, the black basketball versus white basketball, half those dudes probably said that. I'm not giving him a pass because I'm not inviting him to the barbecue anyway. But he's right. still the greatest basketball coach, uh, NBA coach ever. Uh, that's yeah, the day we'll put. <laughs> you know, that's not we're not here for that debate, but but go ahead. What'd you say? Yeah. No, I think I mean I think it's it's just interesting because there's clearly been a lot of there's a lot of evidence right now that Scottie Pippen said what he said, and you know, I don't think he was very sophisticated in his accusations of Phil Jackson as being racist, but it did require a reinvestigation of generally just his his history in terms of potential prejudice 
or racism, however it's defined. And, you know, I think it's it's worthy of it's worthy of some level of analysis. But Are you going to buy the time, book? It's not surprising. Are you going to buy the book? I think I'm going to buy the book. I might. I might. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Buy, I think I I'm going to wait till there's more stories that come out. Yeah, the bourbon. I'll, I'll get the bourbon. bourbon. <laughs> you see the bourbon, the, the handle is just this. It got this. Just his hand. Big like, old what's handle. The, where is, what's it called? Grip. Grip, Touch? I think. No. Uh, digits. 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 It's so stupid. A picture of his hand. He just asked you to. He got the calluses. What's going so, on? Man? So so you didn't say yes or no. Are you, are you saying yes? You're going to buy the book, Big Flow? I'm not going to buy the book, but I'll borrow it from Ellis when he's done with it. <laughs> I think I'm going to buy the book. So he's two for three at this point. If he's trying to sell books, at least in this context, he's 67%. Because I think I'm going to buy the book now. I'm going to buy the bourbon, though. You're going to buy the bourbon. All right. Uh, NBA playoffs. Buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one free. In the spirit of Phil Jackson, we got to talk about NBA playoffs. So we're going to be moving pretty fast right now. Lightning round, if you will. Very good topics. But, we again, we had to talk about the teachable moment. Um, And so in the spirit of not making it too long, we're going to shorten up these segments. But I have to, absolutely have to, bring up the NBA playoffs because uh, Monty Williams and James Jones – and yes, CP3 and Devin Booker have the Phoenix Suns in the NBA championship. And there's still some good basketball being played. Uh, Atlanta got blown out last night with both Trey Young and the Greek Freak sidelines with injuries. So injuries continues to be the theme of the NBA playoffs. But uh, we got to hop into, you know, CP3 and, and what you guys think. Who's going to win it? Ultimately, I'll start with you, Big Flow. I know, you know, your your Bulls been BSing for a long time. See what I did there? How, but, um, how did I'm the Bulls sorry. get this conversation? I just wanted to. Because you, you, Cle- you brought Miles Garrett in, so that's right. That's right. I'm talking about and the I Bulls. Turn around, man of the year. Anyway, we'll <laughs> argue about that all day. First of all, I'm going to shout out Monty Williams because he is a domer. Um, he is a Notre Dame. Because my funny Monty Williams story is I used to live on top of Monty in summer school, and I used to play my Kenwood speakers real loud, play my Tupac, and he would move the, the ceiling tiles and bang on the ceiling tell me to turn down and call me on the phone and say, turn the music down. And he would call me a couple words and hang up the phone. So for him to go from that to coach of the year, I had to say, Monty, you've come a long way since you used to cuss me out of college. So anyway. Well, Monty we don't back. like Tupac? Come on, Monty. But go ahead. He didn't go like ahead. the volume. He didn't like me he trying to show volume. my kid woods off, you know, back in the day, boy. He had to your speakers. Y'all too young for that. Y'all know about that. But anyway. Playing your A-tracks? Playing my A-tracks. Blowing that thing with the program. <laughs> anyway, so um, shout out to Monty for that. But you know what? The thing about CP3, it's like he's the, the healthiest superstar available, and he's out there. So if he wins this championship, I ask. I'm not going to say asterisk, but are they going to say, is there going to be a but? You know, at the end of this, well, you know, everybody got hurt. Okay, you won, but everybody got hurt. Because LeBron's looking like he's telling the truth now. Nobody can say help. CP3 is the only one. And I think uh, Ellis said it yesterday. I'm going to steal it. That he's the one that always gets hurt to play off. He's the only one standing right now. Crazy. I don't understand. So I hope he wins one, though. Let's go and get you one. Yeah. Uh, Ellis, you, do you, you know think what? that what, what you think about? First of all, James Jones, right, is also a part of that narrative. Because yeah. he put together the pieces, but is is it is it the Suns' championship to lose at this point? It, you know, it's hard to say. I think I think so, right? They they slayed some dragons for sure, so they're definitely the favorite. But it, the way this this is all, I mean, who would have thought that the Hawks would have been in the Eastern Conference Finals? That's crazy. But the Suns came out; they were eight and zero in the bubble, 
and obviously they showed that it wasn't a fluke. And then they got Chris Paul, who's been making magic. You know, he's been traveling around the league and <laughs> making men out of these young boys and, and really leading teams. So I think the, the real storyline that nobody's really talking about is no matter who wins, comes out of the East, whoever went, who, the NBA finals is going to have on the entire roster and neither coach have ever been to the NBA finals on either team. So everybody that's going to play in the finals would have never been there. Do you think wow. that enhances? I've got the, uh, my take, and I'll tell you after you answer. Do you think that enhances the attractiveness of watching it, or does that mean that the viewership is likely to go down? I think likely to go down. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's likely to go down, but at the same time, you know, it, what we're seeing with the league is it's such a transient league with free agency and players having right. more empowerment that we're just seeing that the the power is not consolidated anymore. Right. And I've so got a bet. I think the competition is is making it better. I've got a bet that it's going to go down. So um, selfishly, I'm hoping it does go down. Um, but if it does go up, all I owe is a, a hot beer because he didn't specify. He didn't say cold beer. So we bet a beer on it. So it's not a big bet. But I think it goes down because I mean, as fans, man, we we front runners. We want to know. Like I've missed a few games over the last few weeks. I didn't see them for whatever reason. I've been I've been traveling. I've been with family. And I don't feel like I really missed out on something. Whereas that era, you know, I'm biased. Okay. The Miami Heat, when we had, you know, our run going to the finals four straight years. Um, During two that two. time frame. Two and two. We, two and two. We, we were two and two, but they stole one from us. But that's a whole other story. We should have been. Brian had hair back then. He did almost a little fade or something, too. He, got man, he never had a now. fade, but uh, don't have hair now. But during that era, if you missed a game, it was like, man, your whole night was messed up. I can't believe I didn't see the game. It doesn't feel that way now. So we'll see what happens. I do. I'm a Patrick Beverly fan. And him pushing CP3 in the back to me is the highlight of all the playoffs right now. Because that it, to be a sore loser to me is to be a good winner. If you like losing, if you're okay with losing, that by definition makes you a loser. I know pundits have had issue with his cheap shot pushing the back. But I ain't have an issue with it. I'm, hey, man, you ain't supposed to like losing. Uh, I'm hoping that Trey Young is able to come back. Greek Freak is able to come back because if neither one can come back and create some continuity before whichever team decides to come out of the East proceeds, it seems like the Suns are, they should be they should be they they should be getting measured for their rings. But you saw the first person announced, the first person to touch the ring wasn't anybody that played on the court. So boys and girls, just like we start off the show. Uh, trying to make sure that that we clarify some of our issues about the LGBTQ community. I'll say this for the young people. Don't think just because you got a broke jump shot, you can't be a part of a championship run because management is the way to go. He was the first person that they named. He was the first person to touch the trophy, and he didn't shoot not nan jump shot. So management might be the way to go, little boys and girls. Any other final words, NBA playoffs, before we hop into the next topic? You guys good? Let's get into the Olympics, man. Sons in <laughs> Sons in four. Sons in four. <laughs> like your math messed up. <laughs> hey, but we got to get into the U.S. Olympics because out of the blue, a story last night breaks, and Shakari Richardson fails a drug test. And looking at her times, I immediately, and this is why you can't assume because when you assume, you know what you do. I immediately thought, ah, oh, man, I knew she was on that 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 them them. Whatever they, the 
performance enhancement drugs because of the times that she was running. And it turns out that she failed a drug test because the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency still tests for cannabis. That's a real fancy medical clinical term for weed. And if you're real old school, reefer. Reefers. She reefers. She failed a drug test for a substance that is actively being legalized everywhere. And the type of money that she's gonna lose, because she was like the face of, of, of US track, honestly. She had become the face of US track in this weird way. Uh, so let's start there and then get into all the amazing feats at the U.S. Olympic trials, talk about any of the Olympic stories. But let's start with Shakari and move from there. Do you think that she should be banned for weed? I'll start with you, Ellis. I I don't even want to dignify it, but ultimately it's not performance enhancing. It's legal and I think med- medicinally it's legal in more than half. It depends the on the strain. It might be performance enhancing. You can get some of that good good and you might mess around and run a little. I don't know. I don't well, know. it depends on what you're performing. That orange diesel. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on what you're performing if it enhances it. But right. given 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 the legalization, you know, I think yeah, it's sure. it's antiquated and it's it's unfortunate because clearly, if anything, that detracts from your training, right? It's it, or it's for for recovery. It's been known, you know, CBD, other other uh, cannabis byproducts are used for our recovery and and sports re- training regiments so it's i think it's antiquated it's unfortunate hopefully she gets to run uh we'll see how it goes i think the way that the time stamp starts it's like when the the, the test happens she still could be available for the four by one yeah. um but i think she misses the first round of the hundred what do you think about a big flow is she being suspended by the u.s a team or by the uh I think it's whatever. The great question. I don't know the answer, but it. But there is they, a suspension. I think they got to find a way to make her play. I mean, she she can't. She's a little itty bitty girl trying to run. She can't drink alcohol. That's what she's for. She got to do a little something to ease her tension. She wants to celebrate. Her mama just died. I mean, yeah. she smoked a little weed. I mean, what? Well, come on, man. Are we really doing this? Are we really taking people's Olympic dreams away over some, some trees? Everybody smoke them. The dude who's the Olympic dream. Hot. The Olympic dream is one thing, but let's be honest, like the the way to really capitalize off of being a track star, man, that window is short. It's very defined. She's 19 years old, so I don't think or 19, I don't know if she turned 20, but she's you know, only did her freshman year at LSU. So very young. She'll probably be, you know, in the the, the conversation at least one, if not two more Olympics, maybe even three. But with injuries being so prevalent in the sport of track, you don't want to take it for granted. I think that window of uh, of being able to take advantage of all the, the the commercial opportunities that come your way for a track star is very limited. And I, I, I it better have been some good weed because she threw away a whole heap of money, a whole heap of money. Everybody was tuning in to see her run against Shelly and Frazier Price. Everybody, or Shelly, I always mess up her name. You know what I'm talking about from Jamaica. Everybody wanted to see that race on every track blog. People are are weighing in who they're gonna go with, and she went and threw it away for some wheat for some reefers. You sound like Stephen A. Smith. (laughs) Look, I don't, I don't, I don't frown upon cannabis at all. I see that the legalization of it is 
it's happening everywhere. So I think you're right. It's antiquated for the U.S. anti-doping agency to still have this substance banned such that it could prevent someone from competing. I agree there. But the fact that it is on the list, I don't care if you are the most active weed head imaginable. At some point, and I agree with Big Flow, maybe as a coping mechanism for dealing with the loss of her mother. But at some point, you got to put the weed down. This is a payday. A payday. This is big money. Like, you might be on the, the cover of the Wheaties box. General Mills. You know what I mean? Might be calling you to be on the front of a box. And so, for, for me, uh, yes, the story is about the antiquated use of, of that particular doping policy. But it's also about bad decision making. And have the right people around you. Whoever passed you that blunt or joint or whatever I you want. I hope they got book. $20 million for you because. Yo, they need, they need their tail whoop. You got to have better people around you to be like, nah, this, this ain't for you, sis. Not, not now. Not now. We'll be here when you get back from Tokyo and, and we'll smoke up after that. But don't, not now. I just wish she wouldn't be in the, in the, the headlines for the wrong reasons. Uh, other better headlines among the U.S. Olympic trials. Uh, it's the youth movement, man. We see, we saw a thing move from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we saw. <laughs> you'd be hating, man. It's the, it's the youth movement. We also we also saw uh, Sydney McLaughlin from New Jersey. They're breaking records at an amazing rate, and we are seeing now the shift from the household names to this whole new group of of, of young stars. Do you think that that eliminates that that cloud of doubt that we've had over track that every time you see a good time, you automatically think that they're doping? Is it just now the evolution of track such that these young people are, are coming into their own? Or are we still looking at some of these times like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know. You have the 17 year old, uh, you know, make the, the U.S. Olympic team. What's going on? Is it something they putting in the food? Yeah. So just to, for context, so that's Arian Knighton uh, broke two of U Usain Bolt's youth records. Uh, I think U18 and U20 world records. So yep. if you never heard of Usain Bolt, fastest human being ever. <laughs> so clearly there's something to be said about this kid. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think so. You know, watching that, it was a 400 hurdles that, that um, McLaughlin won, right? Yep, yep. You know, I mean, she I made mean, the Olympic team as a, or she was in the Olympic. She no, she made the Olympic team as like a seventeen-year-old summer or something. She, I know she was in the Olympic conversation as a sophomore or junior in high school, so she's been around. So it's not surprising that she broke the record. But it's like, man, like every time you turn on the TV, another record is going down the track. And I, 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 I used to look at all of those records like, ah, who cares? They were doping. Um, but I think there's something more to it now. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. They're starting earlier. People are just getting better training, younger than they were before, and they're just starting to mature. You know, all the hormones in the milk. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but at the end of the day, I like to see records broken. I love to see. I just like to see sports progress and move forward. And um, it's a beautiful young lady. She out there. She's running. You know, hitting her dreams. And that was like that wasn't even in the final. She broke the record, wasn't it? Like in the semis. I think it was semis. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it was so in the rounds. Right. We'll see what happens when she gets to the Olympics. Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for her. She's not smoking those reefers. She's definitely not smoking. Well, if she is smoking those reefers, she waited 30 days to stop smoking the reefers or whatever, 60 days um, before she was tested. But uh, I, I, we would be remiss to talk about the U.S. Olympics and not talk about the men's basketball team. Uh, 
LeBron is not on the U.S. men's basketball team. There are other names. Uh, Anthony Edwards is being accused of getting the the, the Christian Leitner spot, the last spot. Uh, did you, what do you guys think about the squad as it is? Do we win it again? Do we reclaim our dominance in basketball? Because the rest of the world has been catching up. And we know that because you look at first team all NBA. Three of them were not born on the sunny shores of the United States. They were not born in the U.S. They were born elsewhere. So is is, is this going to be the team that gets us back to that dominance? I'll start with you, uh, Ellis. I'm so I'm just surprised that all of these guys, after two seasons, shortened seasons, not a lot of breaks. There, I mean, I'm surprised. KD, obviously, he's been out for, you know, he's been not playing for longer than he's been playing. So it's I'm not surprised about him. But you know, Dame Lillard, Draymond Green, you know, a lot of guys that have a lot of miles on them, and they're and they're stepping up for the country. It's it's surprising, but I'm I'm glad. I'm it's not necessarily going to be a, a B team. It's it's definitely got a lot of all-stars. I'm surprised about Kevin Love. I don't know where that came from. I really love the Anthony Edwards. Hopefully he pulls off a Vince Carter part two and jumps over somebody and dunks it. But we'll see. I mean, I'm excited for it. I, I think it's a good squad. Are you like the squad? Uh, do you think it gets us back to dominance, the big flow show? Yeah, I think we're going to dominate. Um, I mean, you, you have this foreign-born players, but – uh, off the top of my head, none of them are from the same country, right? Say I mean, that again. Giannis, Giannis, the Joker, whatever, right. and Luca—they're not—they're not from the same country. So I still don't think they're going to have the no. collections. I think uh, the Joker and um, uh, the Joker and why why I, I always mess up my man's names. Uh, I want to say Dragic, but not Dragic uh, from Dallas. Uh, yeah. Luca. I think the Jokers and Luca are from the same region of the world. Yeah, but not the but same no, team. Not so they're, they're, they they don't have the collection of talent. They're not yeah. going to be able to do the right things. Um, I do think I want to know if KD somehow doesn't win, does this taint his? I mean, he already didn't win the championship; he couldn't do it by himself. And now, uh, if he loses this gold medal, are they going to start talking about him besides just his bad hair? Uh, the way they talk about LeBron, they go taint his stuff. It seems like nobody wants to taint his his, his legacy the way that they taint LeBron's. I think they do taint. I think they taint his legacy. It's just. When you have LeBron in the same era, LeBron's going to take all the heat. He's going to take the bullets. Uh, there's just as many people that are detractors of Kevin Durant, and they're mad that he joined Golden State. And they are saying, look, he couldn't win it alone, which when you look at that roster, I think it's irrational. Uh, I thought and I, I, yeah, No, I think that when you look at that roster and what happened when the injuries happened, I think it's irrational to think that, that that's a, a blemish. But – People might look at the if they don't win the Olympics as a blemish. See, KD couldn't do it again. I wouldn't, but uh, I don't know. What do you think, Ellis? Is that a blemish if they don't win the Olympics with him on it? I don't think it's a. Ble- I mean, his his legacy is cemented, right? And uh, her as what? effort as what as a, as a as a great. You know, he'll. I don't know if he's where he's going to land, and it's in the list, and it's all subjective. But he's undeniably one of the greatest offensive players, one of the greatest players ever. And I don't think them losing, if they lose, it's going to be convincing. There's going to be a team that comes out, but I mean, they've got hall of famers on this squad. I think they're, I don't know if they're going to cakewalk. I don't know what the international teams, the other teams look like, but Katie will do what it needs to, what needs to be done. He's a killer. I, I can't see them not getting a gold medal here. So it's hard for me to even speculate. 
I'm rooting for them not because of the players on the court, but because of Grant Hill. I want to see in the front offices and the decision-making positions, these players morph into great decision-makers. And so I'm rooting for them more than I, I normally would. I'm always rooting for the USA team, but I'll be glued in. And hopefully he put together the right team because, you know, some of those names, even Draymond Green, I'm like, ah, ah. Draymond I mean, they Green all, it is, looks, uh, it's like, in it's his like best the, day. And Draymond it's Green's it's best the, day, I would have been like, eh, but now I'm especially like, eh, we couldn't yeah. find nobody else. Yeah, but it's like it's like the underdog team, and you got these people knocking on the door for a superstar them, right? You got your Jason Tatum, you got your Devin Booker's, Bradley Beals, all these kind of one A list guys or one B, and then you know Chris Middleton who gets zero real recognition, but perennial All Star carrying the Bucks. So it, I think they're gonna come in. I think they all have something to prove. So I think there's gonna be some fireworks. Anthony Edwards snubbed for Rookie of the Year. I think it's. It's the chip on your shoulder. We're going to blow through everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Middleton carries the buck sometimes. Let's not get uh, – I mean, let's not, now, like with Giannis out. I'm I know, but even with Giannis out, it's still sometimes. That's why I'd be looking at Chris Middleton like, man, you you know, sometimes you're on a, on a on back of a milk carton missing. But, um, you know, I am rooting for the team, but it ain't got nothing to do with the players on the court. Let's go, Grant Hill. Get into that seat. Show everybody what a young brother can do when given an opportunity. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this Olympic team. Now, last but certainly not least, on the Ball Hawk Sports Talk, where we ask you kindly every week, and I'll ask you right now to like, comment, and share. Tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anybody that you know. Please share, because this was a great show and the teachable moments. That, that we went through a bunch of teachable moments through sports, business, and entertainment, but this teachable moment comes to you by way of the NCAA. The NCAA shows you this week how not to roll out a new policy. In the 11th hour of the night, they decided, because July 1st, they had to make a decision by July 1st, they decided to allow players of all sports to get paid their name image and likeness nil is here and it arrived with very little direction it arrived like the wild wild west we're seeing players by way of instagram because that's how you communicate these days at the risk of sounding like an old geezer by way of instagram showing they're making money already because of this name image and likeness decision institutions are showing also by twitter and instagram that they have departments devoted to helping players build their brand where are we now where do we go from here was this a good rollout is this a good idea generally i'm gonna start with you the big flow show you have a son that's about to enter power five major football program in the big 10 what do you think about this decision how does it impact him are you and without giving us specifics are you preparing to take advantage of it and then we'll we'll dive into some more conversation i'll start with first, you let's go first of all we have we have a little time before he enters college so um i get to sit back and look and look at these ideas and figure out what's good we, we've been sitting here talking about you know, some guys are charging a hundred dollars a game to play someone in a video game. Um, guy from University of Miami's already made twenty grand. 
there's already some money being made. So we're trying to see like what 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 are the avenues? So we're, from a planning standpoint, we can do the wait and see. Um, unfortunately, the wild wild west is going to happen. A lot of people are going to make some money. I think they're going to rein it in. I think they had to make the decision because the local states had already passed the laws. I know Illinois had passed the law, and it was eight states that passed the law, so they had to do something because you were going to make a real big unfair advantage. It's going to have rippling effects for people for years to come um, if you didn't give them all free reign for the first time. But I think it'll come back. Um, I do think it's going to be something that they're going to look back. It's going to get out of hand immediately. Um, people are going to make a rush with the lack of rules, and they're going to start paying players and signing guys and doing things really quick. But in the long run, unlike the plant transfer portal, I think it's good for football because I think at the end of the day, why shouldn't you be able to pay somebody or incentivize somebody to come to your university? At the end of the day, it is a business. At the end of the day, all the customers, all the all the employees that they have on the staff are incentivized with money. Why can't you incentivize the talent with the money? So I think that it's going to be it's going to be the haves and the have-nots even to a greater effect. But then you're also going to have schools that uh, you know, come back on the scene that have money but haven't been able to win, they can go buy their way back to a championship. And you know what? With with the dominance we have at the top three right now, maybe that's what it's going to take to shake up college football. And maybe somebody is going to have, just like the Yankees, invest more money than anybody else to try to win World Series that they somehow never seem to win. They, uh, you know, colleges can do the same thing. And in the free market capitalist society, why shouldn't we be able to do it? You got four years of being relevant, as you mentioned with the track star you got a very short window of being relevant if you don't make it on to the next level. I want to squeeze as much toothpaste out the tube as they can before they go to the next one. I agree with you, but there's a third party paying that. So it might not be the have, have nots, because in this case, name, image, and likeness, you're going to get your check or your bag, as they say, Generation Z. You're going to get your bag from a third party. Your bag is coming from the brand. It's not coming from the university. And that's where I think the it was kind of clumsy in the rollout. I'll kick it over to you, ETP Ellis, the producer. What do you think about name, image, and likeness as we see it on July 2nd versus how the week began? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm conflicted about it. I think it's it's positive, right, that some people can, you know, now they are free to monetize their name, image, and likeness, their celebrity, their hard work. It's the worst way of a good, you know, a good opportunity because – you know, the, the term student athlete has been a joke for so long where it's basically athlete at a college because of you're basically a professional athlete. And the NCAA. Was that know, a, they, was that you just throw? I think he just threw a jab at us, man. Like, like you just threw. I got you, my piece of paper. That was listen, quite. Man, oh, you got to. I know. Right. I know Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame. You guys are very academic. But the concept of being a student athlete, it's, it's just unfortunate in reality. You know, these the universities and the NCAA shouldn't still be maintaining this virtual monopoly instead and saying, OK, fine, you can go make money elsewhere. But you go from student athlete to primarily an athlete to now athlete business student. Like being a student has been deprioritized because now you're going to have all these kids that are primarily going to be focused on, all right, well, how do I monetize this? How do I get, get my family right in this moment? But at the same time, they're not even being compensated by the school. So I think, you know, the NCAA rolled it out very, they did it very childishly. They knew they couldn't win. So they just put their hands up and said, okay, leave you to your devices, go ahead and, and open up the floodgates. And you see there's opportunities to be there. I think it's great for a lot of the, the under, 
representing sports that aren't making a lot of money and right. don't go into professional athletes, you know, whether it's a lot of women's sports, gymnastics, soccer, you know, et cetera, all the, the other sports that aren't the big cash cows. But I think it's just, it's really irresponsible. I'm just concerned that we're going to go through a, a lot of growing pains early on with a lot of these kids taking advantage of getting money, not necessarily having the right guidance. I mean, even the pro athletes run through bumps and bruises that sometimes they don't recover from in making poor business decisions. And this is starting that process a lot earlier. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully they get it right. But I just don't like the idea of, you know, even putting another layer before the academics now. Let me ask you this question though, uh, Ellis, to that point, you know, there's going to, there, there's some stuff they read about doing uh graduation bonuses that they're going to pay people or eligibility bonuses. So if you stay eligible to pay you, um, really starting to put money behind it. And then you start thinking some of these athletes that go pro, you know, and, and they and they don't finish their degrees. Don't you think maybe there'd be a couple more people that don't feel like they have to jump for the money if they're really high-level guys that can finish out their four years and get a degree, you know, not that the bonuses are going to do it, but, like, maybe this will incentivize and reprioritize the, you know, the academic portion because they won't have to rush off and chase the bag. They're going to get at least some of the bag while they're in school. It's a good point. It's a good point. I just, I guess it's just a matter of making sure that whoever those people are that can monetize have the right people and advisors around them to not go down the slippery slope where you basically just become a brand, right? And you're getting distracted. I mean, I, I've worked in sports, sports marketing, so I understand the demands and you have your production days and you have to do all of these different elements Very to true. fulfill your contractual obligations Facts. where a college a, a college education gets in the way of a lot of that right nice. and so that's already a problem as an athlete like i i'm i know you both very well as students but you missed a lot of classes because you had to play the sport that you played and you had to get waivers and all of these things to limit your exposure to the academic instruction so now you add on that next layer and hopefully hopefully they can navigate around it but i'm 18 years old I'm potentially about to be an international celebrity. It's going to be real hard to keep me focused on my academics. Football is probably the only sport in the NCAA that still could navigate that because every other sport you can go pro early. There's no limitation on it. But college, I mean, college football, it, it remains a clearinghouse. But even to that point, Fact. it'll be hard to keep them in, in, in line. I don't know. We'll see. To your point, the Big Flow Show, I, I just think, though, you're also talking about two different sources of of, of of, of income if you're calling uh the ongoing benefits income that's coming from the university again a third party aspect for name image and likeness means that fill in the blank with any brand any company any you know a beverage company shoe company it's anybody your employer or if you want to look at it as an independent contractor the person that contracts you can be or the entity that contracts you can be literally anybody and so that's why i think that the NCAA got it wrong because it's not like they didn't know this was coming. Instead of trying to hide from it and figure out how we can, let's come up with a real way to roll this out to support the student athletes. Because if we want to encourage the students to take advantage of the student part, I agree with, with Ellis, the producer on this one, don't put another hurdle in the way of focusing on graduating. And let's be honest with you as well, ETP, Ellis, the producer, in terms of um, 
there are non-revenue generating sports. Those athletes can benefit from this probably the most, especially the ones that have a huge following on social media. They can benefit from it most. Um, but some of the stories that I've heard, especially when it comes to the female athletes, also makes me wonder, are we setting up these young people, an 18-year-old, for example, a Sydney McLaughlin went to Kentucky her freshman year. She is drop-dead gorgeous. Are we setting her up to be objectified for a check? And I, it's just there's a lot in there that makes me wonder whether or not the NCAA truly cares. And at the source of it, you're supposed to be the regulating body for these young people. And how do you say that you care when there's no real rollout? There's really no plan. It's the wild, wild west. It just it just makes me wonder, uh, has the NCAA in all of this taken the biggest step back? Because the more that is revealed about what they do or not, it seems as though they don't care at all. Well, yeah. look, well, well, the, just well, this thing. They had, the NCAA just showed us that they are useless and that they can't make a big decision. Look at the COVID decision for football. Look at the fact that this is the one chance in my lifetime the NCAA had a chance to step up and take the lead and be a leader about something. And they said, you know what, we'll let you guys handle it. And then, and, and it became a mess. It worked out in the end because the, the conferences made it work out in the end. But you had all these conferences doing different things with different rules and stuff starting different. What made you think they sat back and they were hoping that Congress would come back and tell them what they were going to go do? And then they got they got all up to the last day of not doing anything. And they just said, F it. Just do whatever you want to go do. That's par for the course. But I will say back on the, the, the exploitation of the women, are we setting them up for that? I, I take a little issue with saying that because no one is going to force somebody to take a check to to be no, a model no. based on their appearance. So what are we are we protecting people from making that decision by no. saying you can't make the decision? No, I'm not. But I will say this: that in a world where Instagram and other social media sites have already made it about your aesthetics, in a world that young uh, women have all type of body issues because so the same person on that same the same the same track team that throws the shot put versus Sydney McLaughlin. Sydney McLaughlin was was a model, to be honest with you. If she comes out $200,000 uh, richer just because of how she looks, I think you're just making... I, I personally think that at that age, at 18 years old, you're just setting yourself up for bigger problems. And I think there's got to be a better way to institutionalize how the opportunities come in and to make sure that the alignment with any particular brand or opportunity is consistent with having a student athlete, especially at 18 years old, because the money, if that is the, the only carrot dangled that an 18 year old sees, we see it all the time. Like kids do stupid things for money. Adults do stupid things for money, but kids do them more regularly. And, and that's all I was saying is that there could be opportunities if the money is right uh, that end up objectifying these people that we should be protecting. That, that's yeah. all I'm saying there. Yeah, I think I mean I think it goes across gender, across everybody. I mean, like you said, youth brings ignorance and ambition, and sometimes there's going to be decisions that are made. And the problem is the NCAA can't unring the bell, right? They're not going to have to now after it's already out the bag, and now we're going to say, okay, now we're going to institute these regulations and things of that nature. The reality is the NCAA wins off of this anyway, right? So one, they don't have to give up any of their money. <laughs> at all they they make all that money Two, now they get secondary promotion so all of these individual athletes are going out and getting promotional deals and marketing and they're bringing more attention to their school and to the ncaa and from a from a sports marketing and licensing standpoint if i'm the if i'm the starting quarterback of alabama and i go out and get a deal with you know beats by dre 
and they want me in my Alabama uniform. Now they got to go to the University of Alabama and now they got to pay licensing fees to Alabama as well. So in reality, you're incentivizing these kids to go out and get this money that you're then probably going to get a lot of opportunities come back to you. And, and I'll say this, be careful what you ask for. And this is why I wish the NCAA would have stepped in because the universities, when it does come to the point where you got to make a decision of whether or not players are going to get paid or not you know, across sports, <laughs> the universities can say, well, they have an opportunity to make money through their name, image, right. and likeness, right? So you can now use that as a reason why not to pay the athletes by way of the institutions that are making billions of dollars off right. the back of this free labor. So right. I'll leave it there, man. Yeah. Hey, Bama's going to start hitting you. If you want to wear your uniform, Bama's going to hit you for a piece of yours, too. Hey, you want to hey, wear your man. uniform? I need 40% off the top. Let's go. That's it. Straight up. That's it. They'll, they'll increase. I mean, it's licensing fees, right? So I guess one one thing that I'd be interested in, I mean, you as former D1, both as former D1 athletes. So Reggie Bush, Chris Webber, they've all come out to, you know, looking for being reinstated, their records, their awards. What do you think about the retroactive kind of reconciliation of, of the past, or do you think we should just move forward? Go, I'll let you go first, Big Flo. Well, it's kind of like, it's, you know, in Chicago, they started to let all the people, all, all these weed cases, right? Now the weed is legal. If you're in jail with a nonviolent crime for weed, they're just letting you out, right? Because retroactive. I believe you got to free these dudes, too. And we're saying it's okay now. It's kind of hard. They were breaking a rule, and I guess whatever the rule was is what the rule was. But I, I think you kind of got to go back to those things a little bit. I mean, I say that now. I didn't think long enough because you were cheating. There was an advantage before. Now there's not an advantage. So I, I, I'm going to remain neutral. I got wishy-washy on them. I'm going to remain neutral. I, I got to put more thought into whether or not you reinstate them because it was cheating at the time they did it. It's tough for me to say this because I can't stand USC. So, you know, um, Reggie Bush, I don't feel sorry and for Michigan. him. I, <laughs> I can't stand Michigan. Chris Weber, I don't feel sorry for him. But the truth of the matter is, they, yeah, I think that there's their, their records should be reinstated. Yeah, I think the university should embrace them because what they were doing is they were taking the only, not only, but they were taking an alternative route to get to where we are now because of rules that were, I think, nonsensical. And just like the, the cannabis weed cases where it's been retroactive and making sure that we drop those, uh, I think that you should at least drop the stain uh, or, or drop the policies of disregarding the records. Uh, I think that Reggie Bush should get his Heisman back. But again, same analogy, like the weed cases, the damage is already done. If you've already been incarcerated for 10 years, you've already given up those years of your life. The damage is already done to their reputation. So I would reinstate their records and try to make whole what unfortunately I think was bad policy. Uh, we'll, we'll end it there, but uh, you, you let me know uh, in terms of name, image, and likeness, uh, next time we can talk about it. And and, and Ellis, you know what we got to end with. I'll let you tee it up. I'll, know, I'll well, let you tee it up. You know, what we, what would we be without our weekly LaMelo watch? Even though he's not in the playoffs, even though he got he got snubbed for the Olympic team by Anthony, snub, you know, snub. Anthony Edwards. He's uh, you know, he's in the NBA playoff commercials with his brother Lonzo Ball. They're in the good commercial. Lonzo, Lonzo got to pay Black Lonzo Widow. Got to give him some of that check though. He ain't been in nothing yet. Yeah, <laughs> great commercial though. No, so yeah, I mean, off you know, he's also doing things off the court, right? So he's a he's an early investor in a, a sports app that's trying to engage the youth back to live sports. He's an investor with a lot of notable names. Uh, Michael Jordan, his his boss, his, the owner of the team he plays for, Wayne Gretzky, Patrick Mahomes, 
uh, D Hop from the Arizona Cardinals, Devin Booker, J. Cole, uh, Sabrina Ionescu. So, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to keep the LaMelo love going. The teachable moment here is I told y'all so. I told you that this man was not only a legendary, soon to be Hall of Famer on the court, but he's a pioneer. Name, image, and likeness in itself is probably just a reflection of Lamelo. He was a he he was before his time. Lamelo showing y'all what to do on and off the court. So the teachable moment in this week's teachable moments episode is I told you so. Just listen to me, baby. I know I I know a star when I see one, man. Lamelo ball. That's the way to end the show right there, baby. This has been a great week of the Ball Hog Sports Show. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I got go one ahead. last teachable moment that I would be remiss as a parent of an athlete not to pass on to all you parents out there. If your son is asleep or your daughter's asleep right now, specifically your son, or if he's doing anything right now, I want you to stop and I want you to teach that boy how to kick a soccer ball. Because we didn't talk about this, but some man just got $675 million for four years. And if your son is not kicking a soccer ball at this moment, you're failing him as a parent. That's the Absolutely. last thing I'm talking about. To your point, though, the kicker from UCF, when we look at his name, image, and likeness, you remember that story about four years ago? He had to decide between keeping his scholarship or being a social media star. He's a YouTube sensation. I follow yeah. him as Destroying is the name. But yeah. Donald, Donald De La High, I think is how you say his name, UCF, he chose to be a social media star. And uh, good for him, man. He's still making big bank from those videos. Uh, but this name, team. image, and likeness thing, is 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 uh i think at the whole different level so it's good to see the evolution uh be a kicker or be a soccer player because there's money in that stuff man it's the money in that yeah. stuff all right y'all uh, any parting paid athlete ever <laughs> highest ever any parting words before we get out of here etp ellis the producer welcome ellis no Vietnam. thank you good to good to be all up in the video and, you know, I think this was a good show. Teachable moments. You know, we started off. I, I just want to commend you, uh, B. Brown, just for the the maturity and the patience and, and the reflection on opening up the dialogue. Right. We're going to talk about provocative things on this show all the time. People, none of it's with offense, but it's all with challenging thoughts and unpopular or popular opinions. And yeah. I'm happy to be a part of it. And happy Absolutely, man. 4th of July, whatever that means to you. Right. Uh, the Big Flow Show, any parting shots? God bless America. Happy 4th of July to everybody. Love both y'all, man. It's been a great show. Been a great show. I'll go out with this parting shot, uh, and Ellis alluded to it. Uh, we're not here to offend anybody. Anybody. It's raining, guys. Take me off. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead, man. You good. But we are. <laughs> enjoy but, your vacation. Enjoy Sorry. your vacation. That's what you get rained on for talking about my Browns. Uh, but we are here to challenge everybody, not here to offend anybody, but here to challenge everybody. Uh, I started off the show in a very vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerable moment. Uh, this teachable moments was a very teachable moment week for me and learning not only terminology, but how to when you've heard a friend, how to address that friend. But I hope that there's also been teachable moments for people who uh, looked at my mistake and did anything and everything but contact me. For those who have contacted me directly, and indirectly, I thank you. Uh, we are not going to walk around on eggshells on this show. The Ball Hawk Sports Talk is about being provocative. We're not going to avoid the LGBTQ conversation on the Ball Hawk Sports Talk. We will be more thoughtful about having the conversation and 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 uh, do so going forward, uh, being more of an ally. Uh, but we're not going to avoid the topic. 
while most people look forward to getting these type of things behind them, I, again, I'll say it, I'm looking forward to uh, having it in front of me and addressing it in a way that's far, far more responsible and being more of an ally. Uh, this Teachable Moment segment was brought to you by mistake, uh, but at the same time, every mistake provides an opportunity. I thank you for listening. I ask you to like, comment, share. This is much longer than we normally go, but it's because we had to deal with uh, this topic, the Teachable Moment that started last week and has continued to this week. We're going to air last week's show. We got to do some editing to make sure that that particular segment uh, is deleted. We're going to air last week's show because I do also want the mental health crisis that has occurred in all communities, but with a lot of the, the former professional athletes struggling with their transition that has now uh, uh, graduated to a drug addiction for my friend, I want that part of the show uh, to be captured by others and to be shared so we can, as a family uh, of human beings, whatever you identify as, as a family, as human beings, to make sure we help with mental health. We talk about from a professional sports standpoint, but also those who identify from in the LGBTQ community that have dealt with their own mental health issues related to mistreatment and the historical perspective that we addressed a bit today. Uh, with that, this long show has come to an end. Thank you for joining us as the Ball Hall Sports Talk. Ah, long show. I can't even enunciate anymore. It's the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy B. Brown ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hog, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, a.k.a. Mr. Excessive Celebration. This is where sports, business, and entertainment collide. We're going to do a rough, rugged, and raw, as we always have. Nothing's going to change uh, going this point forward. So tune in next Friday. We is out. Peace.